reaching around the world. We love you, and we're really glad that you're with us today, and Merry Christmas, everybody. It's uh, truly beginning to look a lot like Christmas and feel a lot like Christmas and everything, so that's, uh, I love that. My, uh, you know, my, I miss my mom uh, a lot, and I miss my mom especially this time of year. My mom was somebody who could, could walk into a room, and she could light up the room. She was extremely outgoing. She was, uh, she was somebody just that, uh, that had that, just that, that personality that, that lit up everywhere she, she went, but she especially shined at uh, around Christmas time. That was kind of her time. She she loved to decorate. She loved to she loved to celebrate. We'd have parties at our uh, at our house and everything. And uh, but I remember one time we I lived on the top of a of a hill in Colorado. And sometimes during big snowstorms, uh, we couldn't make it to the top, and we'd have to park about uh, two thirds of the way up that up that hill and kind of wait for the spring thaw. Is what it what it amounted to. And I remember one time we got out, we couldn't make it, and we we're walking up the hill and mom slips and falls and breaks her arm okay and at that moment I just realized uh, Christmas is going to be different from the average from the average Christmas this is going to be Christmas isn't going to be what I expected uh, that year and maybe some of you uh, this year some things just because the situation's going in your life Christmas may not be what it's what you expected or what you're hoping for maybe just a, a season of life uh, has not turned out the way you expected that 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 kind of life gave through you a curveball or maybe it's just this you know just uh, even life in general right now is just not turning out the way you expected and if if that's you, we're in a series right now on uh, called This Isn't What I Expect. And the first week we set, took a look and we saw that, that, that Mary and Joseph, for them, for, for Mary, first of all, things didn't work out the way she was, she was planning at Christmas. Definitely not. And same with Joseph. And then when they got together, still things didn't work out uh, what they were expecting, especially having to go 90 miles on the back of a donkey and, and end up at a stable that there's no, you know, no room in the inn and all, and all that. Things didn't work out the way we were expecting for the wise men either. And then we looked at last week that, that, they, that they did exactly what God told them to do through an angel. And they, they, they went and they found out that they ended up in a desert. I mean, they ended up in Egypt in a desert. Even though God told them to do that, they ended up in a desert. And we saw that the deserts are bleak and dry and lonely places. And there's those seasons of life that are dry and bleak and lonely. And here's the question. What happens when we find ourselves in a desert? What do we do when we find ourselves in a desert? And that's what we're going to take a look at to, today. And the first thing is, uh, is this. If we find ourselves in a desert, cling to God's promises and His, and his character. Uh, I guarantee you that Mary and Joseph, uh, Mary, when, when she going through all the trouble that she would she would remember those those promises from from God that was given to the angel I'm sure she clung to those promises especially when the when everything got you know when all all hell broke loose I'm sure she was grabbing hold of those promises same thing with um with Joseph, I'm sure there were times that when everything got bleak in the bleak midwinter, that he grabbed hold of those promises that he th- heard through the angel, uh, and God said through the angel. And we go, yeah, 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 it's easy for them. I mean, if I were here from an angel, of, of course I'd be able to cling to those promises. But we have promises that are just as real, uh, that are given to us through God's, uh, through God's word. I mean, his word is, is absolutely chock full of the promises of God that help us through this time. I don't know about you, but when I go through a desert time, especially the last desert time I've been through, it just seems like Psalms and Isaiah and just those promises. I just went over them and over and over them and over them. And here's just two of the promises. We could do hundreds. We could spend the rest of the day just reading the promises 
promises of God, but here's just a couple of them. In Isaiah 43, uh, 2, it says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. In Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Some of you need to hear this. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing as all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will, will help you. God promises to be our sustainer. He promises to be our provider. He promises to be our advocate. He promises to, to, to be the, uh, the one who's our, our vindicator, our deliverer, our helper. And, and those are some incredible promises that we can cling to in the midst of those uh, really tough times. And something else, there's, there's so much that we don't understand when we go through the, the desert times of life. But there's one thing we, we need to understand, and that's we remember who God is. And there's times that, that when in the, the loneliness, you know, I think thought this morning for for the last like year or two I've woken up and verbally said this out loud the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases this from Lamentations 3 his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness and there's times you just need to make those declarations and they're, they're declarations of faith a lot of times because maybe you're not seeing that faithfulness. Maybe you're not seeing that love, experiencing that love, or at least in ways you can feel at that, uh, at that given moment. And sometimes we just remember, have to remember, God, I don't understand why I'm in this desert right now. But here's what I understand. I understand you're good. I understand you love me. I understand you are a faithful God and I understand that you promise that you're going you're gonna to deliver me and see me to the other side. When you don't understand him or what's going on at that moment you, or what's going on, you understand him and you cling to those promises and you cling to his, his character. Another thing is this, consider what God wants to do in your, in your life. You know, there's places that are ideal climates for, for, different, you know, for different crops, right? I mean, p- uh, pineapples grow perfectly in Hawaii. They do not grow well in Scandinavia, right? Uh, cocoa grows perfectly in a, in a tropical climate. It doesn't grow gr- great in, in Antarctica. And there's things, we have to admit things. There are things that grow in the desert of life that doesn't grow well any other place. I mean, I want to ask, let's be honest. There's places that, that, where do you learn trust in God? Where do you learn about God's faithfulness? Is it when everything is going hunky-dory and everything is going super in life or, or when, when faith is in God is the only thing that you have hold, to hold on to? When, do you, when is the ideal climate for you to understand faith and faithfulness? When is it when, you know, an athlete, when they're trying to, to learn perseverance, when they're trying to develop perseverance, do they, do they run downhill? Is that where they do it or do they run uphills? And, and knowing that that's, it's running the uphill climbs that are going to develop the perseverance. And the same in life, there's something we understand is, is when the wind is against us and when, the, when everything seems to be uphill, that is when we're going to understand perseverance. And you think about the, the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says is, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When, when do we understand those things? When do we learn those? Isn't most of, aren't most to those learned in the, in the deserts of life, in the tough times of life? I mean, let's take something just as, uh, as simple as patience, right? 
When do we learn patience? It's when we are come face to face with people or situations that try our patience to the, to the nth degree, right? When do we learn faithfulness in ourselves? When do we develop that? It's when we have two choices to either be faithful or not to be faithful and we wrestle and we struggle with which one we're going to do. That's how we develop faithfulness. And it's not, you know how we learn that God is our provider? It's when we're lacking, pers- we're lacking provision in an area of our life. And when we understand that God is, is our, uh, you know, is, is the God of miracles, it's when we need a miracle. That's when we find out that God is a God who, who works miracles. And something else too is, is we ask a lot of questions when it comes to when we're in the deserts of life, don't we? But what's the main question we ask? We usually ask in that thing. Why, right? God, Why? Why am I going through this? Why am I finding myself in a desert? Why, why is this happening to me? But maybe there's some better questions. Maybe there's a question like, what? God, what do you want me to learn in this? What are you trying to develop in my life? What are you wanting me to understand about you? What are you wanting me to understand about me? What are you wanting to, me to understand about life? And, and maybe it's a question of how. God, how do, you want me to, how do you want me to face this situation? How do you want me to pray in this time? How do you want me to, 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 uh, to act with those people who are acting so, so negatively against me? How do you want me to respond in, in, in all this? And something that I know is, this may, is going through, through deserts. Here's what a prayer has been of, of mine. I guarantee you uh, that was lately. It was this. was just, God, don't waste, a, don't waste a pain. Whatever I'm going through right now, if I'm having to be in the desert at this time, God, whatever that you're wanting to develop, and I'm not saying God brings the deserts, but I'm saying God definitely uses the desert and he doesn't waste anything. And I'm saying, God, don't waste a tear. Whatever I'm going through, the struggle that I'm going through in my life, do not waste it. Do, I want to learn quickly. I want to go through this thing. And God, whatever you want to teach me and whatever you want to develop in my life at this time, that's what I want to, I want to learn. Another thing is that we can do is remember that in the desert, even the little things can be redemptive. That are just a pain and struggle. We don't know that, but God is developing our patience, our love, our joy, our peace, our kindness, everything in the middle of that. That uh, if we could just trust the, the master, sometimes we, uh, we are frustrated too, like, uh, like Daniel's son. Another thing is we look for good in the middle of the mess. I love the stories about, uh, uh, about Johnny and about, uh, and about Bobby that are little kids. And Bobby was the eternal optimist. He saw good in everything. Johnny was the exact opposite. He, saw, he, was, he was negative about everything that happened in his life. And, and, and they're, they're, uh, they were brothers and their parents wanted to, uh, to show them one time or just kind of develop, make them a little more even keeled, each one of them. So for Christmas, they decided they were going to do, do a big experiment. They gave, they, they gave Johnny a, uh, a, a, an incredible, beautiful new bicycle for Christmas. That's when he went in, that's what he saw. And, and Bobby, he just had a, a, a load of hay there. And so they go in and, and Johnny looks at this beautiful new bicycle and he said, a bicycle? Bicycle? It's wintertime, Mom. It's wintertime, Dad. Thanks a lot. I mean, I'm not even going to be able to use this for months. And the chances are, when I do, I'm going to get hurt because bicycles are dangerous. And Bobby looks at his, and all of a sudden, he kind of has this confused look on his face. And suddenly, he looks up and gets his eyes all big, and he runs out of the house. And the mom and dad are looking. They, they walk outside trying to look for him, and, he's, and they see him running to and fro. And he said, what are you doing? He said, well, I saw some hay. I must have figured there has to be a pony around here somewhere. And sometimes we have to realize that, you know, that, that we will, if we are, whatever we're looking for in life, that's what we're going to see. If you look for the bad in your spouse or in your kids or in your parents or in your church 
or in your country or in your, you know, whatever, your job, whatever it is, you're going to find it because bad things are everywhere. And that's what, whatever you're going to see, you're going to look for, you're going to see. But if you look for good in your spouse and in your friends and in your kids and in your parents and in your church and in your country and in your whatever, that's what we're going to see too because we're going to see in life whatever we, whatever we look for. And something uh, too is, is, you know, you think about the, the children of Israel. In the middle of the desert, they were experiencing some of the coolest things ever. That's when they saw some of the greatest miracles of all time. That's when they saw the, that's where the, the parting of the Red Sea happened in the, in the desert. That's where so many incredible miracles for vision happened. That's when the manna happened. That's when the water from the rock happened. That's when the, the quail happened. That's when you, they had, were led by a, a, a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. Uh, I mean, that's when all those incredible things happened. And, and then also even some of the little things that they, that they probably took for granted, just like the little things that you and I take for granted. And, and re, watch this in Deuteronomy 8 too. It said, um, remember how the Lord led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of your mouth, uh, the mouth of God. But don't miss this. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Know that in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord, your God, disciplines you. I grabbed that hold of that one. I mean, think of this miracle. They knew that, God knew that they couldn't go to a Macy's or they couldn't go to a Target or anything like that. And so God made it even the fabric of their clothes did not wear out for 40 years. And here's the crazy thing. They were surrounded by these gifts of God, these miracles and everything, and, and it seems like they just didn't even see them. Or if they did, they certainly didn't thank God for, uh, for them. And in the same way, in the desert, I've been in the desert, and here's something that you see. If you look around, you'll see some amazing beauty, even in the midst of the desert. The desert has some of those beautiful places around, if you look for it. Just some incredible, incredible scenes. And maybe this, maybe, 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 you're in a desert season in your life and it doesn't seem like anything is going right. I want you to look for one thing. Just look for the one thing, that beautiful flower. Look at that, just the one, the, the one thing in the middle of the desert that you're going to see. Maybe it's your health and go, you know what, at least I have my health. Oh God, at least I have my family. God, at least I, I have a food and clothes in my life. God, at least I have a great church. Lord God, at least I have salvation. I know, God, I know I'm going to heaven when I die. And, and, and what is that one thing you can grab hold of? Because if you grab hold of that one thing, it is hard to be bitter and grateful at the same time. And whatever that one thing or two things, is, just dwell in your heart over those things because that's going to get you to the other side and keep you from being bitter in the middle of the desert and see God's faithfulness even in the midst of tough times. Also, look for God in the middle of the, the mess. You know, when the Magi came to the, uh, they, they came following a star and they found a stable. And they go in there and there's all this, you know, again, there's going to be manure there. There's going to be animals there. And they probably moved the animals away and they probably stepped over the manure and everything. And they found Jesus. And you know the reason they found Jesus? You know why they found God in the middle of the stable? It's because they were looking for God in the middle of the stable. And whatever the stable is in life, if you're looking for God in the middle there, I don't care how bleak, I don't care how bad, if you're looking for God, you're going to see his hand and you're going to see his faithfulness and you're going to see his love even in the middle of the, uh, of the, 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 hottest, the hottest desert. And that's really what Joseph did. You know, Joseph, remember, he was in the Old Testament, Joseph. He was, uh, had his, his brothers, help, threw him into slavery. And, and then he ended up being even in a, a, a jail, in a dungeon, in the middle of slavery, in the middle of the desert. 
And you know what he said? This is the most amazing thing. Joseph looked at his, his brothers and said this, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good so we could save this, this world from, from starvation. What a, what a thing. I mean, if you can look at even the darkest situation, it may be something that somebody's doing to you, maybe the bleakest situation in your life, and you just go, you know what? You may meant it for evil, but somehow God's going to turn this thing away for good. Somehow this still, this still goes into God's plan for my life. Somehow God is so good, master chessman, no matter what has been moved there, he can, he can counter that move and he can make good come, uh, come out of it. Look for good and look for God in the middle of the mess. Also, bloom where you're, where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. You know, there's a story about uh, Dwight David Eisenhower, and he one time it was playing, uh, in, he says this in his biography, he was playing cards with his family, and he got about five or six just horrible hands in a row. I mean, stinky hands. And he was a little kid, and he threw the hands down, and he just started walking away. He said, I quit. And his, his mom was right behind him and said, you get back to that table. You get back to that table and you play with the hand that was dealt. Because you know what, son? Sometimes life is not going to deal you a good hand. Sometimes it's going to be one bad hand out after another. And the option you have in life is to either quit or you play with the hand that you're dealt. You get back there and play with the hand that you're dealt. And he said it was those words affected his life in the middle of the struggle in World War II and affected his life through his presidency. Those words, deal with the hands you're dealt. But also go with, try to bloom where you're planted. Isn't that what Joseph in the Old Testament did beautifully? I mean, he gave us this great example of here he is in, a, in, in, in Potiphar's house as a, as a slave. And you know what he did? He did his best to make that environment the best environment he could possibly make. And he prospered and Potiphar's household prospered. Everybody prospered because he bloomed where he was planted and made the best out of a stinky situation. Same thing. Then he's thrown into prison for something he did not do. And again, what did we find him doing? We find him blooming where he's planted. We find him making the best out of the situation and ministering to the people in there and, 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 and suddenly the dungeon became a light place instead of a dark place because he, was, because he was there. Whatever your situation, whatever desert you find yourself in, if you're in a, in a desert, make yourself, you know, plant some trees. Plant some trees in that desert. You find yourself in a stable, clean up the stable, put some things on the wall, make it nice. Whatever it is, whatever situation you find yourself, make it nice, make it, uh, make it better. And isn't that what, uh, and, and also, water the seeds in the middle of your desert. I came across one of the weirdest sights I've ever seen in, in my life one time flying from South Africa into to Europe. And if you, as you fly from South Africa there, you cover, the, you go through the, fly over the Sahara Desert. And it's huge. I mean, for four hours, you're just flying. And all you see, I had a window seat, and all you're doing is seeing dirt, sand, 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 sand. And suddenly I see something that blew me away. It was just this lush, green, beautiful oasis, beautiful in the middle of the desert. And, and I, I, I wondered about that for so many months. What was that, what was that about? And I, I read about it just a few months later. Found out that some people had, had found out a way to irrigate a little section of the desert. And all they did was put water there. They didn't plant anything. They said it's the weirdest thing. The se- don't miss this. The seeds were already there. All it needed was some watering. And I don't care how, how, you know, how hot your desert is and how long your desert is and how big your desert is, there's some seeds there. And what is God saying for you to how for you to, to water the seeds in the desert? Because if you water those seeds, it's amazing that an oasis can come up even in the midst of the darkest, hottest desert. 
And something else is never forget that there's life on the other side of the, of the desert. On the other side of the desert for the, for the children of Israel, there was the promised land. On the other side of the desert for, for Mary and Joseph, there was, the, there was the, a new baby uh, called Jesus. For the, for the wise men, it was holding the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in their, uh, in, in their hand. And remember this, don't miss this, is God's intention for you is not for you to stay in the desert forever. Okay, just like I said last week, that my, my dad had us go through the desert for a purpose to get us to, some, uh, to better. That it was a means, ends to a means, not a mean. you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it was just a way to get to the other place, right? That's, that's what a desert is for, to get to somewhere nicer. And, and so God wants you out of the desert more than you want out of, the, uh, out of the desert. And the desert will never be too hot. It will never be too long. And, it will, and, and you can make it. I remember there was a song that, that for, I heard when I, was, when I was a teenager, and I've never forgotten the words of this song that says, it was a Christian song by the Imperials and said, God hasn't brought you this far to leave you, and he hasn't caused you to teach, taught you to swim to let you drown. And he hasn't brought you this far to say, okay, now you've made it, now you're on your own, now I'm leaving you, right? He's still with you in the middle of the, uh, the, the desert. And a mother who's in labor, she knows this. She knows this. Uh, we, and here's what a, here's what a mom knows. A mom knows that, uh, that, that, first of all, we said last week, her pain has a purpose. She knows that. Another thing she knows is the labor's not going to last forever. It may seem like it's going to last forever, but it's not going to last forever. And she knows it's going to be worth it on the other side. If you ask any lady, you know, I, you know was, was it fun going through the morning sickness and the back pains and the strain and everything and the pain of uh, delivery? And n- n- there's none of them that say, that was just a blast. Really enjoyed that. But I guarantee you, every single one of them would say, if you said, was it worth it? As they held that baby in their hands, would go, yeah, it was worth every, every bit of it. And no matter what the desert is you're going through, you're going to make it to the other side. And here's, here's something. Um, some deserts, they're not that big, are they? Some deserts just last a few days, a few weeks in life. I've been to a, the smallest desert in the world in Alaska, and you could walk through it in half an hour, 45 minutes. Been to other deserts that take a couple hours to, to drive through, the Mojave and, the, uh, and, and, and uh, Death Valley and things like that. But there's other deserts that are like, that are like the Sahara. The Sahara is the desert the same size as the United States, and it just seems to last forever. But you know what? The Sahara Desert has an end, too. And then it goes into lush vegetation. It has an end. In every desert that you and I will ever face, there's going to be an end to this. And, and there are so many promises in scriptures that say, tell us that the desert won't last forever. Here's just a couple. Psalm 34, 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. And he delivers them, don't miss this word, from all of their troubles. The righteous may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them. What's the word? All. From them all. And I don't see the word immediately in there, do you? I wish it said, he'll w- deliver them from, the, you know, from every trouble immediately. It's not in there, but the eventually is implied. Here's Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may remain for the night, but rejoicing is going to last, uh, come in the morning. And here's one other translation. The nights of crying your eyes out give way to days of laughter. That's a promise that we can cling to. Man, if that's just going by today, grab hold of that. That it may be, there may be pain in the evening right now and there may be weeping right now in your life, but there is going to be joy in the morning. And don't miss this. God can change everything in a second. God can change everything in a second. Isn't that what he did with the children of Israel? I mean, think of it. For 400 years, they were slaves in, uh, in Egypt. And in one moment, 
They went from slave to free in one moment. And then not only did they do that, they went from absolutely stone broke to people handing them gold and silver. They went from slave, broke slaves to, uh, to, to rich free people in an instant. Isn't that what happened to Joseph? One moment he found himself, he was in a, uh, a dungeon as a slave in, in the desert. And the next moment, an hour later, an hour later, he is raised to the second highest position in the entire world. And God can, in a moment, he can change our situation. In a moment, he can change us from mourning into dancing. In a moment, he can change whatever the, a relationship problem. In a moment, he can change a financial problem. In a moment, he can change a situational problem. Oftentimes, he does it through a time. Other times, he does it in an instant. God has an ants, a way of doing immeasurably more, he says, than all we ask or, uh, or imagine. You know, I want to go back to the story of my mom, and I want to close with that. My mom uh, looked at me right afterwards. She had this way of even making, bringing good out of anything, and she would redecorate her, uh, her arm in, in different ways or her sling, different ways every day. And you didn't know how mom was going to decorate. And it was kind of cool. And then she looked at me and she said, I'm going to need your help this year. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't go, hippie. <laughs> I went, oh crud, man. This is going to change Christmas and the whole Christmas season. But you know what? I went, I went to shop with my mom because she couldn't take the back, uh, bags and things like this. And I spent so much time shopping with her. And then uh, she loved to bake and I baked so many things with her. Spent many, many nights baking there. And we'd, we'd turn on some Christmas music. And we'd, um, and we'd watch some, some Christmas shows and some movies and, and the specials that they used to have in those days. And I can't tell you um, anything that I got for Christmas that Christmas. But I can look back and say that's probably the best Christmas I ever had with my family. And it's amazing how God can even take what you don't expect and even a cruddy situation and turn it into something absolutely beautiful and if we could bow our head and close our eyes um, what we can do is cling to God's character and his promises in the tough times of life consider what God is wanting to do in your life ask maybe the questions what and how instead of why remember that even the little things can be redemptive look for good in the middle of the mess Look for God in the middle of the mess. Bloom where you're planted. Water your seeds. And remember that there's life on the other side. And so God, for every single person, if those who are in the, the prayer ministry could come at this time, for every single person here that's struggling, that they're going in a desert, maybe it's a small desert, maybe it's the Sahara, maybe it feels like it's the whole earth to them right now. I thank you, God, that you have a beautiful unfolding, that you have something that you want to ta- make beauty for ashes that you want to, to bring joy in the morning, that you haven't allowed us to go through a desert to keep us in the desert, but it's because you have something beautiful out on the other side. And so, God, I pray you encourage every heart, every heart right now. And I thank you, God, that you have a great, great unfolding. In Jesus' name, amen.